The following program is a presentation of Grand Slam Ministries. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. I am Dan Scott, just incredibly excited and blessed to be back with you again this week for the second episode of this brand new venture. And uh, man, we got some big, big news right out of the gate. First of all, if I sound a little different, uh, I am on the downside of a cold. And in the interest of full disclosure, when I get a cold, the last thing that happens is it settles in my throat and usually costs me my voice, which means I have to go to the doctor and get a prescription for steroids. So I just want you to know up front, yes, I'm on steroids this week, but no, as you will see moving forward, obviously they will not be enhancing my performance. Anyway, I said we had some big news right out of the gate this week. We obviously debuted the show last week on 92.9 FM WZLA Classic Country down in Abbeville, and of course our flagship station, uh, 94.5 The Answer WGTK in Greenville. After the show was done, I was contacted by two other radio stations the next day, and long story short, we have now, after one week, doubled our list of affiliates from two to four, so we want to welcome to the Dan Scott Show family, Spartanburg Sports Radio, Fox Sports affiliate in Spartanburg, South Carolina, airing the show from 9 to 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and Sunny 107.9 FM WFBS, run by my good friend Jeff Bright up in Salem, airing from 11 until noon. So now, on Sunday, four affiliates, four different time slots, and we're getting coverage all over the upstate and beyond, and looking forward to continue to add more affiliates as we move forward. The show today is one that I'm very excited about. Of course, I'm excited about getting behind the microphone all the time and, and sharing uh, the love and, and, and work of Jesus Christ in my life and the life of others. And, and that's the primary purpose of this radio show. We told you last week to tell you stories about God doing work in the lives of men and women today that by and large you're not going to hear in many other places, especially in the mainstream media. Today's guest is a former Major League Baseball pitcher by the name of Brandon Puffer, who is going to share a story coming up in our next segment of incredible redemption from Jesus Christ, how one mistake can seemingly ruin a life and how the love and forgiveness of Christ can overcome that mistake and turn it into something now that is positively affecting people for Christ, especially what he's doing with young men through the world of coaching. It's an incredible story that you're going to hear coming up in just a little bit. Later on at the end of the program, we have our Honor a Legacy segment coming up, and we will hear uh, about a lady by the name of Kathy Burgess, being honored by her husband, Gene. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. But this interview with Brandon Puffer is rather lengthy, so I want to get to a quick break, let you hear some things about Grand Slam Ministries, and then we'll come back and get into 
this week's interview with the former Major League pitcher, Brandon Puffer. We'll do all of that in a moment. This is the Dan Scott Show. We'll return right after this. Is there someone in your life who has been a spiritual mentor? An influence so great that you'd love to find a way to honor them? For a gift of $200 or more to Grand Slam Ministries, you can dedicate a segment of the Dan Scott Show to that very special person. Honor someone who is currently in your life or remember the legacy of a loved one who has passed. Make your gift online at grandslamministries.org and we will send you an information form which will allow you to tell us all about this special person, how and why they were a spiritual influence, their favorite Bible verses, and anything else that you would like to share. In doing so, you'll be covering our cost of one week's production, helping ensure the Dan Scott Show stays on air and continues to share stories of loved ones like yours. In addition, you'll get your own copy of the program in which your loved one's story airs, either by MP3 or CD. Help the legacy of your spiritual mentor reach others with your gift of $200 or more today. Do so online at grandslamministries.org. That's grandslamministries.org. Follow us on social media. Search Grand Slam Ministries on Facebook and Grand Slam for God on Twitter. And don't forget Dan's personal and public figure sites on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're listening to The Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. We are back on The Dan Scott Show. Second episode of this brand new venture presented by Grand Slam Ministries. I am your host, Dan Scott. Want to get right into this because, as I mentioned, this interview uh, with Brandon Puffer is uh, relatively lengthy, but wanted to really take time to share the story of what God is doing in this guy's life. He has written a new book called From the Bullpen to the State Pen, which gives you an indication of where this interview is going. And again, you're going to hear very raw, unfiltered, uh, story about a mistake that he made that cost him to go to prison for three and a half years, but how God has redeemed him from that mistake and what he's doing through Brandon Puffer. Now, it's an incredible story. We began the interview with me asking him about his love for the game of baseball. Um, You know, I always kind of had a knack for it. I would say right around 10 years old, um, I, I jumped up to the 10 through 12. It was little, true little league. So it was called little league majors and it was ages 10 through 12. And I jumped up there at 10 and, and had a pretty good season and realized, okay, this is pretty good. And then at 12, I had a huge growth spurt. And that's when things really kind of changed for me. I was that, that guy that was bigger than everybody else on the team. <laughs> kind of, you, you see the team photo and, and so just, you know, just grew a little, little earlier than everybody else. And so that kind of, catapulted me into a little bit more success out there and confidence. And so, like yeah, you're, you're bigger than everybody. You throw harder than everybody. You hit the ball further than everybody. Kind of the, the prototypical story, right? Yeah, at that point. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you get on the level playing field eventually and realize, oh, all these guys were that guy. Okay, I get it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's the other side of the coin. Uh, everybody, yeah. Everybody's the man until they go somewhere else and, and, yeah. and, and then realize there are a lot of men out there. 
Absolutely. And then you got to figure out what, what's the separator at that point. So, yeah, no, I'd say, you know, pretty early on when I was young. And then I actually had a little um, shoulder issue my sophomore year of high school that set me back a little bit. And so that, you know, kind of a little bit of adversity and you're not quite as strong as you were in terms of throwing as hard. And so that was my first taste of like, okay, there's more to this than just being talented and, and um, having a passion for it. You've got to really learn how to overcome adversity and be consistent and persevere through some things. And to get to the big leagues also, there there's a work ethic that goes along that we'll talk about here in a moment. That That's when you fell in love with baseball. When did you fall in love with Jesus? And I know this is kind of a two-part story. Let, let's talk about yeah. the first time. Absolutely, Dan. So I, I to go back a little further again, back to my childhood, I was raised in a home, um, two parents, had a younger brother. Um, my mom was very, very faith, faith, Christianity. Jesus was a huge part of her life, so much so that she volunteered at Saddleback Church with Rick Warren 30 years ago, and she w- became the first female pastor ever ordained there. She's had a pastoral care over that church, so, you know, it was there. We, I mean, we definitely had to go, and she was making sure we were in church. But my dad, Dan, was, was you know, he didn't have faith in his life at that time, he was uh, actually a PK. He was a pastor's kid, and he was a rebel. He was a big guy, a tough guy, uh, uh, you know, drinking alcohol. You know, he, every time I do a podcast, they're like, man, you always throw dad under the bus. But he, he has fun with it because it's the truth. And so, you know, I, I kind of resented my mom's faith a little bit because I looked up to my dad so much. And then when my dad, uh, early in my high school years, my dad went to celebrate recovery. He got sober. He gave his life to Christ. And it kind of really opened up my eyes to I saw an actual change. I only knew my mom one way, and it's great. She's been the most consistent rock you could ever imagine. Right. But when I saw the life change in my dad, it woke me up. And then in 98, 1998, during one of my off-seasons, um, I prayed to receive Christ at Saddleback Church in their um, college group at that time. And so, um, yeah, man, I, I did. I got sober for five years, kind of a white-knuckle ride because I wasn't really surrendered. But I definitely fell in love with Christ and and, and his word was introduced to me and all those good things in 98. And so I wish that was the end of the story, but you know there's more. Well, yeah, someday I'll, I'll share my story with you because I, I, I seem to have a lot in common with your dad as Got we move you. forward. Pre- preacher's kid, alcohol, yeah. all kinds yeah. of other stuff, but uh, that's another story for another time. Let, sure. let's, let, so so you, you make that, that profession of faith, and, and then is it something that you more or less just kind of put in your back pocket and like, okay, I, I've ticked that box and, and and let's go on about business, or or what was your life like at that time? No, you know, not really. I mean, it, it was definitely my life changed 100%, and I, I got more involved in, in the Word, and I got more involved in, you know, FCA events and, and became, went to baseball chapel much more often. So I definitely... Um, felt the tug and it was definitely changed. Again, the biggest, the biggest thing that happened was I, for the first time, attempted sobriety with, with Jesus as my strength. And that was the only way you can do it. I found out. And so I, I did, I had five years of sobriety. I was, I was walking the walk. I was, you know, baseball, the lifestyle is very, very difficult um, to be, to be a good family man and be a follower of Christ, a faithful follower of Christ. And um, not to say people don't do it and do it well, they do, but I struggled with it. And so for the first five years, my walk with, with the Lord was was good. And then I, I got separated from my first wife. So my first kind of true life, um, you know, experience, I was going to test my faith. And unfortunately, the, the devil just took that opportunity to plant those little seeds and get that foothold back in my life. And 
you know, it's five years, you're more mature and older. Why not just have a couple beers with the guys again? And, and I left that foothold back in my life, Dan, in uh, 2004. And it just hit me slippery slope, very immediate, very quick. And man, once I was back in there, the fight was on. It was really hard to get back out of for me. We are talking with uh, Brandon Puffer, former major league pitcher who has written a new book from the bullpen to the state pin, get the name right this time, uh, and we'll tell you how you can get your copy of that a little bit later on. But let, let's pause that part of the story now, and, and let's go back to the passion for baseball and realizing the dream that I know I had when I was a kid, and, and many, many guys did, to get to put on a Major League Baseball uniform. You get drafted, and you, you get the opportunity to play in the big leagues. So, so take us through that part of the story. Oh, absolutely. Yes, sir. I was drafted out of high school by the Minnesota twins, 1994. Um, at that time, no internet or Twitter, or any of that stuff. Right. So it was, uh, literally they announced it over our loudspeaker at school because in California, we were still in school at the time and, right. uh, announced that I got drafted. I went and did our, our graduation. And the next day I was in Florida in rookie ball <laughs> across the country, not prepared. And, um, so the, the road to putting on that major league uniform in itself was pretty long. It was uh, four releases from different organizations. It was about eight years in the minors, a stop at independent ball before that. And then sure enough, with a little per perseverance and some luck and God's grace, in 2002, April, I got called up by the Houston Astros and I met the team in Cincinnati. So I got to walk in that visiting clubhouse and see all those jerseys, man, Bagwell and Berkman and Biggio and Wagner. And man, there was Puffer. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I fit in. It was a little imposter syndrome for sure. But uh, that was my first experience with that. And, and what a, what a huge blessing, huge honor. My family flew out and everybody was there for the debut in Cincinnati. So it was very fun. It's kind of interesting. You and I are doing this interview and that your major league debut would be in Cincinnati because I'm a lifelong Reds fan. So, oh, okay. so yeah, that, that, that's an interesting little tie in. What kept you going? You talked about the, the different organizations and, and eight years in the minors and being released multiple times and, 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 and playing independent ball. What, what kept you going? Um, you know, Dan, honestly, just, um, just a, a passion for that dream. Uh, I was raised, you know, by, by parents that would speak life into me. My mom was a triathlete. She understood sacrifice and hard work and those types of things. And it just kind of, every time it came down to, um, you know, thinking about another option, it was just, what else would I rather do? And as long as there's another opportunity, I'm going to keep, keep kind of beating down doors until I get my opportunity. And so, just a perseverance, a love for the game. I knew it was the only thing I wanted to do um, at that time. And I felt, you know, called to do it. So I wasn't going to quit until there was absolutely zero options or opportunities. And it looked like that in 2000 when I went to indie ball, independent ball. I was like, okay, is this it? And then thank God I stuck with it and got some other opportunities. Where where was the independent ball? Uh, I was with the Somerset Patriots in New Jersey. Um, really cool experience. I actually got to... I went on a radio show with a guy who was our radio guy at that time mm -hmm. a couple of days ago, and we got to rehash that. He asked me what my thought of it was, and I'm like, man, that was an awakening. It was good baseball and former big leaguers in the lineup, former big leaguers as the staff, and kind of really matured me in my game. It was a great stop for me. Visiting with Brandon Puffer, former big league pitcher. Tell me about the the big league debut. You got called up in April of, of uh, what did you say, 2004? and uh, uh april 2002 2002 2002 yeah. so so tell tell me about the first time you took the mound 
Oh man, I'm happy to. And I know that being a Reds fan, you're going to love it. We, uh, we were in Cincinnati still. So just a couple of days after I got there and I'm sitting in the bullpen, you know, it's nice to just be taking it all in, but I knew at some point we got to get out there and do some work. So, um, they, the phone rang said, Puffer, you have the ninth inning. Uh, I think it was seven to three. We were winning, came out for the bottom of the ninth against your Reds. And, uh, first guy I faced was Todd Walker. I struck him out and I was like, wow, this is so easy. <laughs> so got another person out. I don't remember who it was. We got two outs. We're, we're, we're doing it. And then um, Barry Larkin hits a double. I hit Jason LaRue in the back. Uh, now there's some runners on and they're only a couple swings away from tying it up. So around that time, and I, it sounded like a cannon was going on in the visiting pen and they had our closer up Billy Wagner in a hurry going, Hey, we, we want to see this kid succeed, but not at the cost of a game. So um so Jimmy Williams, I'm going to back up just a second, spring training veteran manager had a meeting with us and said, look, if I come out to talk to you at the mound, I'm pulling you out. There's no conversation. If it's going to be a conversation, we're going to send the pitching coach, Bert Hooten at the time. So I remember that. I filed that away and he came walking out and I'm like, oh man, my major league debut, I'm out of here. And he goes, I went to hand him the ball. And he said, wait a minute, Puff, wait a minute. So I took the ball back and he, he literally, this is what happened. This sounds storybook, but it is what happened. Jimmy said, so Puck, it's your major league debut. You got some family in the stands? You going to make some phone calls after this? I said, I've got some family here and I'll call the rest when I get out. And he said, how about, how about, what are you going to eat? You're going to go to the clubhouse. You're going to take your family out for dinner, spend some money. Man, I'll probably snack in the clubhouse and take my family out. And he goes, well, good. I bet they're hungry. And I know I am. So get this last out so we can get out of here. <laughs> amazing tactic by a veteran to calm me down. You're still in the game. I got the next guy out, Juan Encarnacion, and got to shake hands with, you know, the whole staff and do the whole thing. And it was really cool. They let me finish that out and the way he went about it. Can I tell you a quick story about Billy Wagner? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in, in 1993, I was a sports editor in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, which I tell people is not the end of the world, but you can see it there. And, <laughs> and, and uh, North Carolina Wesleyan, uh, was a Division three baseball power at the time, coached by Mike Fox, who went on to have a lot of success at the University of North Carolina. Um, they, they hosted the NCAA Regional at North Carolina Wesleyan that year and played Ferrum College in the finals. And two days before, Billy Wagner, who was a starter for Ferrum, had thrown like 130 pitches and a one nothing or 2-1 loss or something. They brought him in in the eighth inning, I believe it was, to face the Division Three Player of the Year that year and a guy who was drafted by the Baltimore Orioles named Tom DeQuilla. Two days after throwing over 130 pitches, and he struck him out on four pitches, going 96, 97, 98, and 99 on the gun wow. at the time. For, That's for, awesome. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. He's such a competitor. Yeah. And I always tell people back – Dan sitting in the bullpen, not, nobody threw 100 then, right, Dan? So mm -hmm. when Billy is exactly how every outing would happen for him at home, 97, the crowd would get going a little bit, 98, a little mm -hmm. bit, 99, then he hit 100 and they go crazy. I'll, I'll never forget it. I loved every minute of it. So, so how fast were you? Oh, my topped out at like 94. I was a sidearm guy, so just relied on movement and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Now, 94 on the old gun, what would 94 on the new gun? Because, you know, now they're me they're they're measuring the ball out of hand as opposed to when it crosses the plate and the technology yeah. has changed. So now everybody throws 100. They do. They do, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think I threw pretty hard for that angle. But, again, just kind of relying on movement, trying to 
missed barrels and all that good stuff. But yeah, guys like Wagner might be throwing 120 now. <laughs> no kidding. No <laughs> kidding. Brandon Buffer joining us. All right. So got the big league debut. Um, before we we get to the, the meat of, of your story uh, and, and, and the title of, of the book, the circumstances around you getting a World Series ring for a team that you never threw a pitch for in, in 2004, the Red Sox. Yes, sir. How about that? So uh, 2004, like you said, I'm, I'm uh, playing for the San Diego Padres. I'm in the big leagues, uh, the, the inaugural season for Petco. I'm about an hour away from my hometown, living on the beach. And um, we're on a plane flight home from a road trip. And they said, hey, you got traded to the Red Sox. You're going to go to Boston. Da, 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 da. And our first reaction was, oh, man, I love being in San Diego. But then I'm thinking Fenway Park, a chance for a playoff contender. Oh, man, this is great. By the time we landed, they had already made another move to uh, bolster up their bullpen with another lefty, a different a lefty, I'm a righty. And they said, hey, they changed their mind. The trade still went through, but you're going to Pawtucket. So I'm like, well, gosh, I went from being in the big leagues, close to home, to the furthest place away in AAA. So I did that, and I stayed in Pawtucket for a couple months. And uh, right around early September, they called me up. The Red Sox called me up. They said, hey, the bullpen needs a little help. Uh, you're going to meet at the team in, in Boston tomorrow. So I was like, wow, amazing. And in September, they, they expand the roster. Mm-hmm. So typically, if you go in September, you're there. And so I'm thinking, man, I'm gonna, I get to ride this whole thing out in Boston. And one day go, uh, happens, the first day, I'm just sitting there. I you know play catch, do my thing, get my uniform. We win the game. Derek Lowe throws a complete game. And they, uh, at that time, Johnny Damon had dove. I didn't know this, but he dove for a ball in the outfield and hurt his finger. And so the next day they thought, oh man, Damon might've broke his finger. We need an outfielder. So they called up a guy named Adam Heisdu. Um, They needed a roster spot and they sent me out. So I spent about a day and a half, didn't throw a pitch. Um, however, I do like to ingest, uh, remind people that we played an interleague game when I was with San Diego in Fenway. We got our butts kicked and I did pitch. So I, I contributed a little <laughs> bit. And um, man, I, Dan, I didn't think a thing of it. The next spring training, I'm with the Giants. I get a call the Red Sox asking my ring size and uh, I was obviously blown away. I think they were pretty excited about how long it had been. So they're like, Hey, popcorn vendor, kid who's sitting in the bullpen for a day. Doesn't matter. Everyone's getting one. That, that's outstanding. Brandon Puffer joining us here on uh, the show as we talk uh, about his life story and his book that is just out from the bullpen to the state pen. All right. So let, let's, let's get to that. Your, your career, moves on in 2007 you sign with the texas rangers and you're playing double a in frisco for the rough riders and and team makes the playoffs right so yeah. you uh, you make the playoffs and you decide to go out for a night on the town with your friends to celebrate i did, ta- I ta- did take indeed. us through that night i will absolutely dan yeah like you said the rangers kind of put, put me on as the bull durham role crash davis the old guy that Made a little bit, had a little bit of time to, um, you know, mentor some of the young prospects they had. And I did that in 07, came back and did it in 08. They were kind of grooming me to be a bullpen coach. And September 13th, it was a Friday, uh, we were in a championship series, like you alluded to. And the guys have been tugging at me to go out the whole year. Um, ever since 04, when I shared with you that I kind of let alcohol back in my life, it was a constant battle back and forth, just constant. And so it wasn't that I wasn't going out. It was that these young guys looked up to me as a chapel leader, as a mentor to them. And I didn't have the heart to tell them that I was struggling. Guys, I, I'm not who you think I am. I'm, you think I have it going on. I don't. And I just never had the heart to say that. Instead of being honest, I just kind of lived that double life and faked it. And um, so it all came to a head on that Friday, September 13th. I just said, you know what? 
it's it's towards the end of the season. These young guys have been great. I'm gonna what is one night, Dan? What is one time where I just kinda, you know, go ahead and compromise my beliefs? Let's go for it. It's just once. And they had they had said during the season, what it's just one night. I said, guys, I can ruin my life in one night. So September 13th, we go out. Um, you know, not to glorify anything. We just had had a, a good time and I, I drank too much and blacked out and I woke up September 14th in an orange jumpsuit sitting next to a bunch of other folks in an orange jumpsuit. They called my name over the uh, intercom. A friend of mine from the team was there to bail me out because I'd called him the night before. I, I didn't remember. I said, how'd you know I was here? He said, man, you called me and I was hoping you were kidding, but I came to check and here you are. And so at that point is when I started reading through the reports that he had and going, man, what happened? What the heck have I done? You know, like what happened? Mm-hmm. And um, I, 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 it just depends on who's listening and, and how I'm led. But Basically, all the way that I had lived up to that point of, you know, trying to fill that God-shaped hole with alcohol and promiscuity and, and all those things had come to a head. And I had, you know, I tried to walk into a lady's apartment that I only met one time. Um, it was unlocked. I walked in about three in the morning and, and actually tried to get in bed with her. And that's very embarrassing and shameful to say, but I'm open about it because I know people have struggles. And that got me a burglary of a habitation with the intent to commit a sexual assault. And so... Man, I was like, my intent wasn't that. I know I made a bad decision. But at the end of the day, I put myself in that spot. And um, I went and finished the championship series. And then I was out on bond for about nine months before I went to a jury trial. And we can talk more about that as however you, you want to lead it. Sure. Um, let's let's just let's go right. Well, no, let's let's yeah. let's go back because yeah. I, I, I find it interesting that you, you get bailed out. You got these charges and you go and finish the championship series, first of yeah. all. Uh, and, and 2007 or 2008 is not that long ago, but if that happened today, you would have been disassociated with a club so quickly that there would have been a vapor trail behind you. How did it, how did it end up that you still were able to play in that championship series? So it's interesting, Dan, I obviously didn't tell a soul. The guy who bailed me out was the clubhouse manager. Um, a couple of the teammates that day said I'd called them as well. They're like, Hey, you called last night and you said, you know, then I said, nah, I was just kidding. And I just didn't tell anybody. I didn't, the biggest thing for me, Dan, and again, this was kind of a, a detriment. I'm not saying this as a brag, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to be, a, um, you know, the guy who was a, a distraction for the team during the series. I was the older guy. I was the veteran. I wanted to be a leader. But I just didn't say a word to anybody. And, I and, and that, there was no no newspaper, no TV reports, nothing at the time. Your, your name wasn't out there publicly having been charged with this yet. Not yet. Not yet. You're exactly right. That They hadn't picked up the charges. I hadn't been indicted. None of that had happened. So um, no, I guess none of the officers, you know, probably recognized it. Whatever the case may be, it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And to, so much so that I, I pitched in a game. Um, I went home thinking, okay, we're going to, we're going to put this one under the, the rug and get better. And about, um, it might've been a few weeks into the off season, I got a call from the Frisco Rough Riders media department. I had always been good buddies with everybody in the office and he said, hey, man, did you get in a little, some little trouble, you know, last weekend here? I said, I did, yeah. He said, well, I'm just letting you know, kind of a national media syndicate called me and asked about it. And if they're calling me, they're probably going to start running stories. He gave me a heads up, and I just said, wow, okay, well, here we go. You know, I'm going to have to face the music and, and own it and, and just, you know, figure out what happens from here. So that all happened in the off season. I, as I said, I was out on bond for about nine months, and then I went to a jury trial which was just in itself a super surreal moment. Three days of, you know, people trying to prosecute me. I had Nolan Ryan, Jackie Moore, and guys like that come in as character witnesses. 
Um, and on the third day, the, the jury came in and sentenced me to five years in prison. And my attorney had said, you know, you're not, you've never been in trouble. You didn't have bad intention. You'll probably get probation, you know, so that kind of thing. Not that it, not trying to make it sound like it wasn't serious. It was very serious, but just in terms of, you know, legally how things happen. And so, you know, I was a little bit shocked. Obviously, they came out and said five years. They put me in handcuffs. Um, I said, can I go say bye to my dad? They said, no, you can't. We own you now. And I went into a holding cell outside of that, that uh, courtroom. And Dan, this is where you talk about my love, my love affair with Jesus. This is where it happened. This is where they took everything from me. They put me in that cell, a little eight by 10. And when the bars clanked, I could hear it right now, hear those bars just clank. I just looked up and surrendered and said, God, I, I, this is where I got myself. Um, you know, my, my thoughts, my ways, my plan, I surrender all from this point forward. And that's where the prayer changed in. I was praying before that, but it was more like, I'm sorry, get me out of this. I don't want to go to jail. You know, I love my family. I was doing my kids, the math on my kids' birthdays, like five years. I was doing that math in that cell mm -hmm. and I just broke. And that's what I needed. I needed to be broken. I needed to be humbled. Um, I needed the, the true contrition that came with those choices. And um, that's where that love affair started, even before I started serving my time. Three and a half years, you, you stayed behind bars, right? Yes, sir. What what, what was that experience like? And, and, and was, from your standpoint, looking back at it now with, with the hindsight being 2020 and, and, and God's view on things, was there anything positive that came out of it? Oh, 100%. A lot of positive. I think we could spend this whole show talking about the positive. The biggest negative and the one regret, because everybody always asks me, would you change anything, is that there was a victim and, and she and she was hurt. And not just her, but my family and her family. So obviously I have to say that first, that you know, if I could take it back to save them that hurt, absolutely I would. But moving forward, that time away, A, allowed me to really be introspective and work on myself and it's really uh, lended itself to me being a better mentor and coach towards young men now. Um, but also I was able to um, speak into some lives of folks in there that I never would have known about Dan. Like I never had a heart for, for prisoners. I never knew what was going on behind bars. It just didn't, it wasn't my world. And so it opened up a whole new world to me. Um, I wrote about in the book, a few instances of guys that were serving life sentences and I had a chance to be in a cell with them for, you know, hours at a time. And, and read the word with them and speak into their lives. And, and just encourage, I've always tried to be an encourager and it was no different there. I was able to encourage folks that I, I don't have the opportunity to encourage out here. Visiting with Brandon Puffer. Um, when, when we confess a sin, the Bible tells us to, to go and, and make it right with our brother. Mm -hmm. Yes. Have, have you had an opportunity to apologize to the victim in your case? I haven't personally, one-to-one. -one. I wrote to a victim's assistance program when I was serving time because for a long time I wasn't allowed right. to. And to be honest, I'm still not super clear. And, and the last thing I would want to do is is rehash or trigger anything for anybody. Sure. But one of my prayers, and God has redeemed absolutely everything. And like, I mean, I started over when I got out and redemption with my relationship with my kiddos, uh, redemption in a in, in a relationship with my new fiance, redemption and um, baseball is everyday part of my life again. Um, so many things. And there's one that I prayed about since that day, and it's an opportunity to make amends uh, to the young lady. And I, I may get that choice. And, and even in the book, I've mentioned it. And we try to honor her every time I share, because I want, I want her to know that, hey, I, my prayer when I was gone and sitting in that eight by 10 cell was, God, don't let this be in vain. 
You can use my story to help save other folks like her from knuckleheads like me thinking, hey, this will be okay, or just save other men from making decisions like this, or men and women, obviously, um, then that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what this is all about. And I hope, um, you know, she had a, a, a young daughter named Morgan, and my daughter's name is Morgan. That's how I remember that. And there was a time where we were um, babysitting them, babysitting her. And she said to me, I haven't shared this on any pod. I never shared this publicly. She said, uh, Mr. Puffer, I wish I had a daddy like you. Because she saw me with my daughters. Mm. And it broke my heart. And I'm like, man, I later would would cause grief in this, this life. And, you know, there's shame and, and guilt with that too. But I would love to make amends. And and, and maybe someday it'll be the power of, I, I, the power of redemption is strong in my story. Maybe one day the power of forgiveness will be a part of it. I, I pray for that. When I share my testimony about the knucklehead that I was, uh, one of the things that I talk about is when God forgives you, you're forgiven. And, and you know, the world is going to have its opinion, and, and there are still consequences to sin, even though you're forgiven. We know that. But I, I, I have heard people, and, and, and I talk about this in my testimony, you know, people say, well, I know God has forgiven me, but, but I just can't forgive myself. Yeah. Which my response is, so your standards are higher than God's, right? You know, come on. But but, yeah. how long did it take you to forgive yourself? Oh, Dan, it's it's ongoing. It really is. It's ongoing. And I've I've had this question before, and I would love to say, oh man, you're right. God God said it. He did it. It's done, and it is. And I know that here. But man, that the guilt and shame and those things like to creep back in. The enemy will tug at you um, for sure. So it's ongoing. It's 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 daily. Kind of like our sobriety and everything else. It's a daily, like, no, 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 no. We're not going there. God's got this. You're forgiven. Keep going. And especially when, when positive things are happening, as mm-hmm. they are with the book, and, you know, getting out there and sharing, you know, that little voice of, again, the imposter syndrome of, oh, you don't deserve this. Why would you be, you know? And so I, I wish I could say, but just being transparent, honest, mm-hmm. it, it's ongoing. It's daily. I got to pick that up and, or, I guess not pick that up is a better choice of words. Yeah. Now, S- Satan likes to continuously remind you of your failures. And, sure and, and and that's that's one of his main points of attack for somebody who has stumbled, but we're saved by grace, and God's grace and forgiveness covers all of that. And and, and I'm with you. I'm with you because, you know, it's been uh, 10 and a half, almost 11 years since I gave my life to Christ and at, at age 45. I'm a preacher's kid, so, you know, I knew all of that growing up, and... Yeah. Yeah. and um, there there are still times when, when things happen that, you know, Satan will he'll start poking at you. Are you, you know, are you really saved? Are you really forgiven? But I always, I always say, Brandon, I don't know if you've gotten to this point yet. That's one of the ways that I'm assured of my salvation. I mean, the Bible tells me I'm assured anyway, but that's one of the ways I know, because if, if, if Satan wasn't still poking at me, you know, uh, yeah. it, so that's a great point, Dan. Yeah. I, I, I liked it when I share with youngsters about faith and the enemy and all those things, I like to tell them like, the higher you're calling, the more, and I, and I say, like, imagine you're playing basketball, you're lighting it up, man. You're going for 40, you're hitting threes, you're going to the rack. They're going to put two guys on you. They're going to double team you, right? Because mm-hmm. you're effective. But if you're standing over in the corner and, and you got no game, no skills, <laughs> they're going to sag off you. So, that, yeah, I agree. The enemy's going to going to full court press. And that's why I try to remind myself is like, okay, that's because God has forgiven me. He does have a calling. He's trying to trip me up. That's good stuff. Uh, let, let's talk about GPS Legends uh, as yeah. we start heading toward the end here. You're, you're, you're now taking all of your experience, baseball and otherwise, and, and trying to focus it into teenage boys as a mentor and a coach. 
I am, Dan. Just another redemptive quality of God. I mean, coming out thinking nobody's going to want me to coach or be around, you know, their family or whatever the case may be. And and um, fast forward uh, eight years, it started with a couple lessons and a couple teams. And now I have a, a nonprofit youth and high school organization. We've got about 30 teams. So we get to impact, you know, a lot of kids, a lot of families, um, about 300 at a time usually. And uh, yeah, it's great. We're here in Austin, Texas. It's um, just literally my passion. I always wondered how I was going to fulfill that, that competitive spirit or nature of competing on the mound. And it's this, it's watching other kids get to do it, advocating with them for schools and, and helping them through the process of being recruited or being the best version of them or adversity. And, and the great part is you, you asked about, you know, did any positive come out of my time is it's like, there's not a whole lot these guys are going to go through where I can't go guys. I've been there. You know, like, let, right. let's, here's where I was and here's what I learned. And, and you, you don't have to go down that path and, or, or, you know, here's how you persevere through tough times and adversity. So yeah, love, love doing the GPS legends thing. It, it's absolutely wonderful. We've got so many great men that coach and faith-based uh, program. And so without those coaches and men pouring into these guys, you know, I wouldn't have it. So I'm just grateful. Yeah. One, one of the other advantages I would imagine to having the experiences that you've had is, is when one of these guys starts trying to blow smoke up your skirt, your, your antenna goes up real quick. You're able to see through it, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Every little thing. I'm like, uh-uh, man, been there, been there, done that. So, uh, yeah, it's neat. It does. I think the baseball the you know, making it to the big leagues, it's kind of like gives you a little credibility with them cause that's their dream. But then the other stuff is where they kind of start really listening and going, Oh wow. It's, you, you've been through some things and it's like, Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm not, we're, we're obviously we're preaching the message of you're so much more than just a baseball player. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of lends itself to, to sharing outside and off the field. So let's get to, as, as we start wrapping up here, the, the idea for the book. When did it happen? How did the book come about? And, and, and maybe more importantly, why did the book come about? Sure. Yeah, those are all great questions. I, I felt led during my time away. I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of journaling. Um, I was told several times, hey, you should write a book. And it was one of those things where I filed it away and said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to write a book. I, I definitely feel led to do that. And I picked it up, put it down, picked it up, put it down. And the reason why was exactly what we're talking about today. Like just getting it out there, being transparent, trying to encourage, especially two people. One, the person that's already made the big mistake and they feel unworthy and they feel like there's no way life can go on after this. And, and who would want to, you know, who would want to hear from them? It's that person, but it's also the person who may be headed down that road and, and maybe something in my story. And I've actually received messages as recently as this morning about guys going, Hey, just wanted you to know, I've been sober all of January after reading your book and I'm trying to make this push. And I'm like, that's awesome, man. So to encourage people and just be real open about it. And then the, how it came about, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Will Severns of Streamline Books. I had a, a call from a mentor, Stephen Mackey said, Hey man, I'm trying to write a book. I, I got all these journals and I got all this stuff. I mean, I literally have my whole journal from prison, which is great. And um, he said, well, what do you need? And I said, honestly, and I've had this conversation with so many people. And his first person asked me that point blank. I said, I need someone to hold my hand through the whole process. Like, I, you asked me for a throwing program, Dan, or a workout program. I got you. But when it comes to putting together a book, I, I didn't have a clue. And so Will Severn's Streamlined Books, I, 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 you know, I guess for lack of a better term, hired them. And now it's a, a wonderful relationship. They helped me through the whole process, um, held me accountable, put a deadline on me and made sure I got it done. And I'm super grateful they did. They did an amazing job. 
You can find the book at brandonpuffer.com. His Twitter handle is at CoachPuffPositive, minus the E, P-O-S-I-T-V, at CoachPuffPositive. Um, sales going well? Yeah, they're going well. I Honestly, I don't even know how to compare it. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't, I didn't set out to write it. It was funny. Very early on, I want to say a couple days in, uh, I guess it was like a new hot thing. And there was a screenshot of me being ahead of Yachty has a book, Molina and then Judge. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there we go. I mean, I'm not, I'm not making their money or their career, but I'll take it for a day. So it's going good. And more than that, man, the, the feedback has been great. I mean, just positive feedback from folks I know, folks I don't know. So encouraging. Just so encouraging. Um, so, yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, if, if I wrote a book and it sold one copy, I would think it was selling well. So that, that <laughs> <laughs> There you go, man. Yeah. As we uh, as we get ready to say goodbye, in, in sales you always have to have your elevator pitch. You know, 30, 30 seconds to get your to get your main point across. Uh, what what is Brandon Puffer's elevator pitch? Well, I think it's just if we're talking in terms of why the story is important, I, I would say if you have struggles that you're afraid to share with anybody, you don't have people you can lean on or trust. Um, or if you just have already made a mistake, like I talked about earlier and need, need folks to come around you, don't be afraid to be honest, just be honest about your struggles, your hurts, your habits, your hangups, you're only as sick as your secrets, have someone, doesn't have to be everyone, but have someone that you can trust and believe in. And that first someone, in my opinion, and I know you share this opinion, Dan is, is Jesus just literally. And if you're struggling with that relationship going, Oh, Puff, I hear you saying this, but God doesn't care. Be honest with him. He'll talk to him just like you talk to me or Dan. Just ask him. Show yourself to me then if you showed yourself to this man in prison. Um, ask him, you know. So that's my elevator pitch. First, do business with him. And then surround yourself with some others that are going to continue to lift you up and encourage you. Hold you accountable, certainly, because uh, as we know, it, our decisions and choices are, are daily. And there's going to be consequences. And I've already gone through a five-year sobriety and then fell. So I know we're always just one choice or one day away from that. So... I guess I'm just trying to throw all my points into yeah, one, but that, no, that would be if you had an elevator ride with someone who didn't know God and didn't know my story, that's what I would try to encourage them to do. Now, Proverbs tells us that iron sharpens iron. And, yes. and and we and we as men, one of our resounding collective weaknesses is the fact that we think we can handle everything ourselves and, and we don't need help or we're too embarrassed to ask for help. When things come along, uh, I, I have a weekly coffee meeting every single week with a fellow deacon at our church, and 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 we share life, and and, yeah. and it is that iron sharpens iron moment, and it's amazing what happens if if you allow yourself to drop that male bravado, and and you do what the word says, and and, and if if you'll do that, it's a, it's amazing what can happen in your life. Yeah, just vulnerability. Just be vulnerable. It's okay. I think we feel like if we let a little bit out, we're going to lose the grip on everything. And it's like it's the opposite. If we don't let it out, it's going to take us over. Absolutely. Again, the uh, book is From the Bullpen to the State Pen. You can get it at brandonpuffer.com. And, again, you can find him on Twitter at Coach Puff Positive, P-O-S-I-T-V. And uh, you'll get encouraging stories and messages and uh, can interact with him there as well. Man, this is great. I, I'm I'm a a baseball guy at my core. 
I I love uh, talking about the game every chance I every chance I get. I love talking about Jesus even more. So to be able to do both in the same interview, I mean this this is awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's an honor, Dan. I really appreciate you having me, man. You're awesome. What an incredible story of the redemptive power of God's grace through Jesus Christ. That was my interview with Brandon Puffer. And again, that book is from the bullpen to the state pen. You can get it at his website, brandonpuffer.com. Find out a lot more about him at that website. We'll step aside, come back, and continue with more on the Dan Scott Show right after this. Grand Slam Ministries exists to glorify Jesus Christ in multiple ways through this radio show and its accompanying online, digital, and video components through our sister websites, danscottshow.org and grandslamministries.org and through furthering our core missions, mentorship, and providing food and other necessities to children. None of this is possible without your prayers and support. By making a gift to Grand Slam Ministries today, you'll not only help with this program and keep it on this radio station, you'll help us grow our family of stations, allowing us to bring stories of God working in the lives of men and women everywhere to a larger audience. And at the same time, your gift will help us in the initial launch of those core mission programs. Grand Slam Ministries is in its infancy. We need your support. Will you help us today? Visit our website, grandslamministries.org, and prayerfully consider a one-time or monthly gift today. And above and beyond anything else, please pray for our ministry. Thank you, and God bless. Every day there are children who leave school on Friday and eat little, and sometimes nothing, until they come back to school. On Monday. It happens in every community, including yours. Many of these children live in circumstances that deprive them of basic needs necessary for a quality life. At Grand Slam Ministries, we want to change that. We want to invest in our children, giving them hope for the future. That investment includes necessities such as food, clothing, school supplies, and a safe environment to play, to study, to live. Please visit our website, grandslamministries.org, to find out more about our ministry and how you can help. We're just getting started. Will you come alongside us for the children's sake? Again, that's grandslamministries.org. Want to see a listing of our affiliates? Check out videos or listen to past shows and explore our archives? It's all available at our website, danscottshow.org. And now... Back to the show. Dan Scott Show returns as we are winding our way toward the home stretch. You know, we gave you an example last week of the Honor a Legacy segment we want to do on a regular basis on this program and our production cost for one week show is $200. So what we're asking is for any gift of $200 or more that you can make online at grandslamministries.org, you have the opportunity to share the legacy of someone living or past, why they are a spiritual mentor 
and just let people know about these godly men and women in your lives. And we have such uh, an honoree today, a gentleman by the name of Gene Bearden, wanted to surprise his wife, Kathy, by honoring her legacy and what she has meant to him and their family. This is what Gene wrote. He said, Kathy was the only one of six in her home who attended church. She would not date someone who was not going in the direction she wanted to go. Kathy was a lady who kept herself until marriage. In college, Kathy found herself slightly older, married, and anticipating her first child in a classroom full of younger students. The students were asked why they wanted a degree in early childhood education. Several students answered, as you might expect, stable career, summers off, love of teaching. But when Kathy was asked, she responded, quote, to be the best mom I can possibly be, unquote. Kathy desired to become the best version of herself for generations to come. The Dan Scott Show honors Kathy Burgess and prays that many more women will have such a noble goal for their lives. Gene, thank you for sharing that. And Kathy, congratulations on being our honoree for this week's edition of the Dan Scott Show. Quick break, and we'll come back and put a wrap on things for week number two right after this. Teenage boys and young men today are in crisis. Statistics show that a home without a father or male role model present is the single biggest indicator of poverty, behavior issues, drug and alcohol abuse, criminal activity, and yes, imprisonment. At Grand Slam Ministries, one of our core missions is developing a mentorship program to teach boys how to become strong Christian men and then teach those men to be the biblical husbands, fathers, and church and community leaders the Bible calls us to be. We need your prayers, we need your ideas, and we need your support. Visit our website, grandslamministries.org, to find out more about our mentorship mission and prayerfully consider how you may be able to assist us. Again, that website is grandslamministries.org. Grand Slam Ministries exists to glorify Jesus Christ in multiple ways, through this radio show and its accompanying online, digital, and video components, through our sister websites, danscottshow.org and grandslamministries.org, and through furthering our core missions, mentorship, and providing food and other necessities to children. None of this is possible without your prayers and support. By making a gift to Grand Slam Ministries today, you'll not only help this program remain on this radio station, you'll help us grow our family of stations, allowing us to bring stories of God working in the lives of men and women everywhere to a larger audience. And at the same time, your gift will help us in the initial launch of those core mission programs. Grand Slam Ministries is in its infancy. We need your support. Will you help us today? Visit our website at grandslamministries.org and prayerfully consider a one-time or monthly gift today. Above and beyond anything else, please pray for our ministry. Thank you and God bless. Like what you hear? 
Have a question or comment? Maybe a guest suggestion? Drop us an email and let us know. Dan at danscottshow.org. And now, back to the Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. All right, we are back to put a quick wrap on things on this edition of the Dan Scott Show. Week number two. Just want to remind you that you can donate to the show online monthly or one-time basis at uh, danscottshow.org, grandslamministries.org through our online partner, Zephy. And we get 100% of everything donated because they ask you to kick in a little bit more on your donation. You don't have to. You go into the customize your donation segment and they can actually allow you to choose any percentage you want up to and including zero. But we're looking to just start to grow a solid base of donors at $10 a month, $25 a month. So prayerfully consider doing that if you would. Do want to tell you that over the coming weeks, we're going to be telling you about a crusade that's coming to Liberty High School here in Pickens County, South Carolina. The Rick Gage Go Tell Crusade will begin on April 30th and run through four nights. Rick will be a guest on the show coming up in the middle of March. He is a former college football coach who answered God's call in his life to become an evangelist. We're going to be telling you a lot more about all of the events surrounding that as we move forward. Just wanted to give you a heads up on the Rick Gage Go Tell Crusade. And then remind you also that I am always looking for speaking opportunities. Love to share my testimony. Churches, men's organizations, groups, whatever it may be, always looking for places to come and share my testimony tell you about the miracle that God has done in my life and also share about what's going on with Grand Slam Ministries. Thank you for tuning in this week. Thank you again to Brandon Puffer and his incredible testimony of God's redemptive grace. We'll be back with you again next week, same time, same stations for another edition of the Dan Scott Show. Until then, I'm Dan saying God bless you and so long, everybody. <music>